0: Let's Discuss with Meg Duke is supported by Yumble. Y'all know I do not have the best eating habits, always a work in progress, and I want to make sure I don't pass that along to my kids. Yumble has options for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and with a Yumble meal, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning, so that's time you can spend elsewhere. Taste tested with over 50,000 children, Yumble meals are delicious and healthy, backed by nutrition experts, and help create a healthier dynamic at mealtime. Use code Let's Discuss 50 for discounts on your orders at yumblekids.com.
1: Your mental health is your dope health But you don't have to tend to it by yourself Get a tribe, get inspired, and you'll get ahead Get someone to talk to, don't keep it bottled in You're beautifully human, you should remember this So it's okay for you to feel emotions At times we all need to clear our heads And when you do, just holler at Therapy by Meg
0: Welcome back everybody. I'm so excited today to introduce to you our special guest. Dr. Harris has been a licensed psychologist and health service provider for 12 years, working in mental health for over 20 years. She specializes in coping and adjustment to acute and chronic illness, health and birth related trauma and grief and loss. And we are just going to jump right on and everybody please welcome Dr. Harris. Hello
2: hello Meg. how are you i
0: am fabulous and i am so so grateful and honored to be able to spend the next hour or so with you i really appreciate you
2: absolutely and the feeling is mutual thank you for the invitation
0: oh my pleasure my pleasure um so i always like i used i need to actually stop having this segment because i used to ask people how we know each other because i would find people that i used to work with or people i knew from childhood and now it's just me reaching out to people and asking them to come on so that's mm-hmm. how we know each other is that I reached out to you on Instagram DM. and I appreciate yes. you answering the call.
2: absolutely. i I like to slide in people's DMs myself.
0: Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm.
2: whenever someone does it, I feel like I'm obligated to say yes oh. um, and, just, and just love what you're doing. So thank you again.
0: No, oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Yes. So um, I just wanted to jump in. We talked about a little bit in the bio, but how did you decide to get into psychology?
2: You know, I have always been fascinated by human behavior. In mm-hmm. um, large part, when I was a kid, by looking at my own interesting family, we'll call it, and um, always had a love and a connection with little children, mm-hmm. um, and so and and their families, and I think that's what sort of sparked my interest. So I entered undergrad with an accounting degree because my
0: interesting. dad interesting <laughs>
2: yes, my dad was a certified public accountant,
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: thought, okay, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. After three months of that, I thought. This is not for me, mm-hmm. and uh, took a couple psychology classes. Really loved them, and just never looked back. And here we are.
0: Amazing! That's so interesting. Accounting, yes, I know. My mm-hmm. undergrad is in business, so I had to take two semesters of accounting, two hundred one okay. and two hundred two, I think. Uh, and that was definitely an interesting thing. And then, then to make the the jump over to social work, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite a quite yeah. a change there. Yeah. Well, and, and here's
2: just- the inter- here's the interesting thing now. Like as mm-hmm. a business owner. I'm almost channeling my dad because yeah. I need some good accounting.
0: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Absolutely. I mean, having your, the, having my private practice, I've definitely noticed like I used to do pen and paper and then I just upgraded to an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. with all the different tables and this and that ads yep. and, this and taxes and quarterly revenue. And
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a fun ride. So business is probably like perfect for you because you know what that feels like as an owner is private yes. practice.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If only I had a little more recent marketing class, I think I could probably do a little better. Maybe need to brush up on that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> me as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, hey, you know, that's something they don't teach you in school to be a mental health provider is how to run your business, how to do the nope. dang thing.
2: <laughs> no, they don't. For some reason, we just think if we get the degree, hang the shingle, then the people will come.
0: Yes. Uh,
2: and it doesn't work that way, but yeah, marketing yeah. would be off. So let me know if you ever are in the you know, hunt for that and find some good nuggets for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: I will let you know for sure. And I, I've seen some, I've gotten some emails and yeah, so we'll have to, we'll definitely keep you in touch, keep in touch with you if I find something that really speaks to me.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 So I know you mentioned that you were, um had a real connection with little children. Um, And I know that you, we, I kind of reached out to you specifically so that we could kind of talk about grief. And mm-hmm. what was it kind of with the perinatal space, with the health space, all of the work that you've been doing that kind of led you into that grief space?
2: Mm-hmm. So the easy answer would be <laughs> that my mom's death in 2012 was sort of the catalyst. That, mm-hmm. But now that I look back on my career, um, beginning in the mid-90s, I realize that I've been in the, de- the death and dying grief and loss space since then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So just to give a little bit of a context, I started my my career off in early childhood,
1: mm-hmm. and I was
2: working in homes with children and families uh, with an array of developmental differences, and throughout that process, some of those kids physically died, but even more um, than that, a lot of the families were dealing with the grief associated with their child and their life not yeah. being vision that they thought it was, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: uh, it didn't really dawn on me until I went to get my master's degree, worked with children with cancer, Mm -hmm. and had some direct exposure to physical death, Mm -hmm. Um, and then subsequently with my pre-doctoral internship and postdoc, I realized that that was such an important niche, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: then my mom died, Mm
1: -hmm. so
2: all of those things were sort of setting the background for it, but my mom's death was what made me absolutely for sure that I needed to focus in this particular niche and haven't looked back, that was in December, 2012.
0: Yeah, and yeah. how do you deal with kind of that, the vicarious trauma of, of sitting in those spaces and working with people, how has that been for you?
2: Mm-hmm. That is such an excellent question and i think that as a mental health provider Mm -hmm. um you know you know we're natural nurturers and you know it's beautiful to sit alongside someone and watch them grow and watch the the wheels turning and the connections being made Mm
1: -hmm. what i
2: realized when my mom died was that i needed to really set some very firm boundaries Mm -hmm. from work and home and that's not to say that my personal self didn't bleed in because we're always walking in our full humanity. Of course. At the same time, I I knew the value of um, taking breaks, of taking vacations, of setting up my schedule in a way where I wasn't overloaded. And now that I've been in private practice 100% for two years, Mm -hmm. um, it has been just really beautiful to have flexibility in my schedule and to be able to take that midday walk that I had today Mm-hmm. Um, and other ways to stop so that I'm not taking on my clients concerns wholeheartedly right. um, all throughout the day
0: mm-hmm. wow yeah. and that's that's really a lovely way of describing that and I think a lot of us even if you're not a mental health professional it's very helpful to keep that sort of thing in mind about being intentional and recognizing like what does your load look like where are you pouring out yourself to other people how Mm -hmm. can you be empathetic not sympathetic Mm -hmm. um and knowing when it's okay to say I've had enough for today this week whatever that looks like yeah and
2: I I think it's important uh, for professionals to sort of always be in that space of assessing your motivations Mm-hmm. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, in a forward-facing career, you want to help and give. And there is, there is a spark that you get inside as a professional. When you see the person in the room making progress, it feels mm-hmm.
1: good to
2: mm-hmm. know that you help plant that seed and water it. At the same time, um, to really focus on why am I here, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: once you determine the answer to that question, it really helps you sort of take a step back perhaps or engage even more if you need to um, Mm -hmm. while at the same time protecting your own self-care
0: space Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely well I appreciate you sharing that with me for sure and so I was kind of wanting to jump in talking about because I think I think you know with social media there are plenty of things that go wrong with social media but I think we are doing a a decent job of putting a dent in decreasing the mental health stigma and Mm -hmm. seeking help and speaking about it not suffering in silence and going it alone Um, I think we've got kind of I know we've got a long way to go in a lot of areas and mentally mental health globally but I've seen some progress in grief with not getting over it air quotes but finding a way of walking through life with it of course Mm -hmm. that is not true for everybody Um, and so I was just kind of curious what are some things how do you help people to to take that viewpoint of grief in a healthy way it's a journey not a destination not something to to get over Um, what does that what does that look like for you of course knowing that every person is incredibly individual
2: absolutely well here's here's the quote unquote good thing one good thing that came out of COVID 19 is Mm -hmm. that we as a, a world had a chance to walk through an experience that we'd never been in before
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: on some level, every single person experienced a loss, whether Mm -hmm. it was the physical death of someone or the loss of a vision uh, for your individual self, Mm -hmm. um, the inability to do certain things. And I think that has helped society as a whole Mm -hmm. recognize the fact that this really is a journey, that there's not a designated endpoint with regard to how we cope with loss so that's one thing. But one of the ways that I like to really sit with uh, folks and talk about is um, this idea of the biomedical model. So mm-hmm. psychology, um, even though it's it's distinct in some ways from the medical health profession, there's overlap. Mm-hmm. And so to that degree, I think that we have tended to look at mental health very much like a medical issue.
1: Mm-hmm. So for example,
2: you go to your, you go to your physician there is you know, a wound, uh, the physician tends to it, there's bandages put on it. And at some point you walk away and you look down and there's no scarring, there's no visibility to what happened. And it really is over. The body has healed itself uh, from the outside in.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: because of this biomedical model, I think a lot of times in mental health, including grief, we look at it like that, right. where someone you know, experiences a loss, they go in and have it looked at or they shine a lot on it themselves Mm -hmm. they put a bandage on that maybe it's you know crying for the in the acute in the acute moments after the experience and they think it's over Mm -hmm. so i love to do a lot of education around that and really get people thinking about the fact that while some of these mental health issues are outgrowths of the biomedical model it really is different Mm -hmm. and until we change our mindset with regard to that will continue to perpetuate uh Mm. with regard to grief which is that it's something that you get over right or a year after someone's dying if someone's died why can't we just move on right Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. so uh,
2: that's really the way
0: that I like to think about it yes I man when you just said that I just had so many like the fluttering of people saying it's been a year it's been a decade it's been Mm -hmm. 30 years why can't i why am i crying talking Mm -hmm. to you about this and it's like Mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong with crying and of course that's right you know one of the expressions and the cliches of like you know grief is the price of love and and beautiful ways of looking at it in that way but yeah and i think of course we all try to find ways to numb and dampen our emotions certainly And grief is is in no exception to that in one that we we just want to be able to walk away from, or you know, put the cast on the leg. Let it set. Yep. W- take off the cast and, and leave it behind.
2: that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think love doesn't have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to some of these quotes, grief is love, right? Mm -hmm. And in a different form. And I think that if we think about it that way, we can also realize that grief does not have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think conversations like this are really powerful in helping to reset the narrative about grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And then looking at what we've gone through, again, back to COVID, We can look to ourselves and say well gosh covid started technically the world health organization announced this in march 2020 but we're still we're still in the midst of you know moving through this process and Mm -hmm. it's an ever-changing um and shifting experience so um that has been one thing that's helped all of us um, Mm -hmm. in this space
0: yeah absolutely and i know i deal with a lot of so i obviously obviously we've just we've talked before today that I I specialize in perinatal mental health and that's mm-hmm. something that has been something um that's a very difficult thing to deal with you know pregnancy loss um the stress of trying to conceive an infertility the the death of a dream there where it turns out that that's just not going to be an option mm-hmm. um all of the different ways that it looks like in addition to the grief that we've described now and yeah. um and that is something again where people feel the other thing that concerns me about it is kind of like i call it the trauma olympics that's not my expression but like other people have said too and it's like well mm-hmm. i was only pregnant this long so i'm not allowed to be as upset as this person or i've only had whatever and it's like yep
2: yep yep, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've certainly, I've certainly heard that in the perinatal space. You know, mm-hmm. when a mom carries a baby nearly to term or um, at term, and then there's a, a stillborn birth, mm-hmm. um, and a mom who's experienced a miscarriage. Sort of comparing mm-hmm. the depth of that, and and mm-hmm. almost assigning, deciding, deciding that their their grief is not worth it uh-huh. or not significant enough to be named. Uh-huh. Um, you really, got to be careful with regard to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
2: think those those, indivisible, those invisible losses like mm-hmm. miscarriage, mm-hmm. Uh, like infertility, it, it sort of falls under that umbrella of ambiguous loss. Mm-hmm. And societally, we do tend to overlook those because it's not a tangible, visible loss that we can wrap our minds around. But it definitely doesn't discount the experience for the person who is navigating it.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate you talking about that too, that ambiguous loss and, and how society does tend to overlook that and that's what I it's it's a difficult thing to it's like people feel like they need permission to grieve in those situations where mm-hmm. and the other ones were well I guess it's all kind of that space of like I shouldn't be allowed to still be upset because it's been 30 years since this person has lost or whatever it might be the loss of yeah um,
2: and yeah I think uh, I, what came to mind was miscarriages I think that in that specific space what we don't know for the person who's walking through that is all of the losses, not necessarily miscarriages, but all of the loss of vision, all of the loss of yes. uh, dreams along the way,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: a potential miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think we've got to have conversations like this to really mm-hmm. shine a light on the fact that you never really know another person's experience. And I'm not even going to say what people might think I'm going to say, which is until you've walked in their shoes, right? You're never going to walk in anyone's shoes. Th- that's right yes uh, i love it. brene brown sort of talked about this which i love how she reframed it but we won't walk in someone's shoes what we have to do is listen to their lived experience
1: mm-hmm. and
2: whether or not we've walked in those shoes or can't imagine walking in those shoes we have to believe the lived experience of the other person that so, that is it yeah yeah so to that end i think we've got to do a lot more listening to the people who are experiencing loss and simply believe them without judging or trying to shift them into another space, just believe the lived experience. And if we can do that,
0: mm-hmm. then
2: we can definitely extend much more compassion along the mm-hmm.
0: way. Absolutely. I, I, love, I love that so much because I, I talk about that all the time too. I will never understand. I, I will never understand what anybody's going through. I understand the words you're telling me. Mm-hmm. I validate what you're sharing with me. Mm-hmm. I will never be able to say I know. I I that is one of the thing that kind of sends chills up my spine when someone says, "I know how you feel." It's like, no. oh,
2: no, you don't.
0: No, you don't. No, no, you not. But I don't need you to. I just need you to say, like, let me sit with you. Let me hold this space with you. That's right. You, you know, let you know that I I do that va- not that you need me to validate, but I am validating what you're saying.
2: Mm-hmm. um
0: And uh, you just never know and uh and yeah i think that that kind of does continue to be the the ongoing thing that i've experienced especially in the perinatal spaces uh recognizing that and two to your point um you know we talk about like i've had someone on who talked a lot about vicarious trauma and she talks about like naming it claiming it reframing it Mm. um and i think that's something too i love how you described kind of the passing of your mother was what tipped the scale, but then you had a reflection of being able to say like and this and this and this and this. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing with a pregnancy crisis or that's fertility right. loss. All of those things that add up. It's not just that that specific moment that that's right. we're grieving, and we need to be able to allow ourselves to really conceptualize and wrap ourselves around wrap wrap it around and say, like I need to I need to be able to process all of these things and and be able to get to that space where it all makes sense for me.
2: Yeah, one there's a powerful tool that I love to do with uh, clients, and I've done this with myself, is, uh, you know, with the right timing and in the right, you know, rapport space
1: mm-hmm. to be able
2: to do a bit of a chronology mm-hmm. and really think about, you know, this idea of as we reflect over our lifespan, where have been those junctures where we had an expectation and that that expectation wasn't met? yes i think that's what creates crisis for all of us is this vision and then reality and in between we have in acceptance and commitment theory this uh, therapy this idea of the reality gap and you know really shining a light on that and when we do we realize that there have been so many cumulative letdowns cumulative pivots if you will cumulative redirections and disappointments and losses.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
2: that we're sitting in the room, yes, it makes so much sense that you are experiencing this, not on a, a level that doesn't make sense to what's going on, but from a cumulative perspective. And i yes. found that to be really powerful mm-hmm. um, to witness for people who are uh, walking through loss.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And I know I um, would love for you to tell us a little bit about I've downloaded your grief anatomy toolkit um, and was just kind of wondering if you could kind of give everybody as high or in-depth level. I mean, I'll I'll sit here and talk to you all day um, of of kind of a view of, of what that's about and how how the idea came to you, the process of putting it together, how you've seen that be helpful because I just it's such a beautiful, beautiful piece.
2: Yeah, thank you. So the grief anatomy toolkit is uh, it's a mini course with really what I call encouraging words along the way to keep you wedded to some of the tools and practices in the kit. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: this was sort of born out of things that I wish I had had uh, when my mom died. So obviously we're in the world of Google. And uh, you can certainly Google, you know, what is grief and what are the symptoms and what can I do to help myself. I really wanted a toolkit, just sort of a, a tangible, one uh, packet sort of uh, material mm-hmm. for someone to have to really think about those three things. What is what can grief look like? In the toolkit, I share my story. So again, that people realize that I'm not coming only from a professional perspective, but I'm also navigating that journey. And then secondly, what are five uh, practical tools that you can think about? So, you know, grief is overwhelming and uh, it affects our body, our mind, our spirit, and so much more. And so this was really designed to think about five practical tools that a person might be able to use to navigate it. And as part of that are some tangible and experiential uh, exercises and practices that I have found valuable in clinical practice um, that I've utilized myself and that are evidence based to support the journey of a grieving heart. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a one um, one snapshot opportunity for a person to use the toolkit, interact, interact with. It. And one of the things that I talk about a lot in the toolkit is that it's not a book it's an ebook but it's not a book in the sense that you read through it once and it's linear and then you're done right no right. this is a toolkit that is not presented in a linear fashion like do this first and then that's right. going to help you get to that no this is you could literally pick it up in the middle and have a, an idea of a tool and practice that could be beneficial you might flip to the beginning and realize the benefit of that tool. So it's to be used in a waxing and waning in a flexible fashion Mm -hmm. um, throughout the journey. And I hope that it's one that people go back to and reference as they need it.
0: Yes, well, and cause truly processing through grief is not a linear situation anyway. And- No,
2: can we talk about that, Meg?
0: Please. (laughs) (laughs) Let's please.
2: Yes. No, I call it, I have this list of grief, pee, uh, grief peeves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of mine in that I think societally we tend to think of grief as one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, E. Yes. It, it absolutely is not linear. Um, I'm joking. I, I jokingly ask people, well, wouldn't it be nice if it were?
0: I wouldn't. We get it, hey. here
2: and we end there and then it's over. Right.
0: Here's my checklist. Let me get through them all.
2: God Happy
0: as a clam. Life's amazing. Yes.
2: Life went back to quote unquote normal, and here I am. No. So I think yeah. that, um, you know, for those folks who may be listening who are familiar with the stages of grief framework,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was born out of uh, Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler Ross's framework. She is a Swiss psychiatrist. And what she observed in her work with dying individuals was that they begin in this place of complete disbelief and shock. Mm-hmm. And as they reached the dying uh, end point, right, they, they got to this place of what she framed as acceptance. Well, again, this was sort of designed for individuals dying.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: when she, when she put the framework out, the grief community, the larger society sort of adopted it yes. and applied it to survivors of loss. This episode
0: is sponsored by Boogie Board, makers of award-winning reusable writing and creativity products. Say goodbye to messy whiteboards and expensive computer tablets with these super affordable alternatives, perfect for group or individual activities and exercises, including communication for nonverbal individuals and honing fine motor skills related to writing. Best of all, there is no charging necessary, no special pins or markers, and they're easy to store. I love my smart notebook for taking notes in the office, so I can write down echo words during sessions with clients, then delete it all with a tap for full HIPAA compliance. Boogie Board has extended me an additional five percent off with my code Let's Discuss, which will apply to, on top of their current twenty percent off sale on their smart notebooks for a total of twenty-five percent off. Best of all, this code will also get you five percent off everything else on the site. Check out all they have to offer and make your practice the best it can be at myboogieboard.com. Let's Discuss is supported by Mominda Bras, with a wide range of bras and bralettes available for chest feeding and pumping. Mom and deck combines the functionality you need with style and comfort. My favorite is the Do Anything Bra, the perfect bra that supports chest feeding and pumping in one truly lovely and comfortable bra. Visit usmomandacc backslash let's discuss and use code let's discuss for 10% off your entire order of $40 or more.
2: And so that's what... It sort of became known as the five stages of grief. And unfortunately, even in 2022, it's sometimes presented in a linear fashion. Like you start a disbelief, mm-hmm. go to bargaining, you get angry, um, you do this, you put a little salt in there and a little pepper in there and you end up at acceptance. Yes, <laughs> yes. But that's not true, right? This is not yes. This is not a grief soup, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so what I do appreciate about the five stages of grief model, however, is that it does offer you potential emotional responses in the face of loss yes but it certainly is not you start here and end there um so that's that's what i appreciated about it
0: yes absolutely it's funny you were mentioning that and i'm thinking there are even tv shows sitcoms i feel like there's an episode of scrubs where they actually go through and of course that is not 2022 fair enough I love that show doing it now but i think there's an episode of scrubs where like everyone's favorite patient is dying and they're showing all the doctors they're like showing a a montage of all the doctors literally like going through all the different stages and again this is 15 something years ago but i just remember that and and there are other examples of that where people have kind of Co-opted it of like no, it was for the person who is about to die,
1: right. not
0: for our not not for a roadmap of how we're going to deal with somebody dying. Mm-hmm. And That's I do right. think it it does become dangerous for people who feel like they're air quotes doing it wrong. Oh,
2: yes, <laughs> oh my gosh! I over the years have sat with so many clients mm-hmm. who, because they were not in a place of quote acceptance, they were shaming themselves. And when you combine that linear shame on top on top of the time frame, like mm-hmm. it's been ten years and I still haven't accepted, it's like, wow, we've got to dispel those myths and really talk yes. about the realities of the grief process. Mm-hmm. But uh, truly, it, it's a grief peeve, and that it still shows up in 2022.
0: It does. <laughs> so I'm glad Absolutely. We, I'm glad
2: that we focused on that.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really glad we took the time to kind of walk through that cuz i think i again i think tools can be so helpful right And we say this about everything we say this about self care we say it just it, it goes on to everything like take what works for you and leave what you don't feel like is working for you and if the Absolutely. if you are magically stepping through elizabeth Google ross's steps then <laughs> keep keep stepping my friend keep that's on right. that's right for the other 98 and a half percent of it, yes. <laughs> please don't beat yourself up about it. And and I think, have you, I this is a silly, not a question, the the grief is a ball in the box metaphor that yes. people talk about. Yes. I think that's a really lovely way of visualizing. People expect, you know, a box and the ball and eventually to be able to just take the ball out of the box mm-hmm. versus the ball getting smaller and hit, still going to hit that grief button but it's mm-hmm. going to hit it less frequently as time yeah. goes by and whatever grief work you're doing. But we still want to take the ball out of the box. <laughs> and the box still, I know
2: and- <laughs> that's right. We still want to sort of delete this experience, but the reality is that it's always there and we just learn to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people will frame this as growing around it. I tend to visually think of it as growing alongside it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Grief is
2: sort of a companion that you are taking with you everywhere you go across time and situations. Um, So it's not that you're getting so big and and enveloping it. And and I'll I'll explain why I sort of think of it that way. Mm -hmm. One is that I'm really uh, focused within myself and with my clients on not consuming a grief identity. And the growing around for me um, Mm -hmm. feels a little bit more like you're sort of soaking in the grief and you're sort of enveloping it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this idea of it walking alongside you. Yes, it's a part of your experience, but it's not necessarily something that is um part of your identity. And we've mm-hmm. got to make sure that we recognize other parts of who we are
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that
2: those areas can actually flourish uh, and not yeah. and so that grief is not all consuming.
0: I that is that's a really great way of conceptualizing it too. Like it is a part of who you are, but it is not not overtaking. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Right. And that's not to say, you know, I want to be careful, you know, people listening are ex- in different points in their experience with absolutely. grief. Mm-hmm. And if someone you love has just died, absolutely. Grief is all consuming. Yes. So this is not a judgment call at mm-hmm. all. Yes. I think as, as we, um, you know, sort of experience time and it's not just time that heals quote unquote, but it's what we do with the time
1: mm-hmm.
2: that we learn to walk alongside it.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're able
2: to carry it with us but we're carrying it differently than we were uh, perhaps in the beginning
0: yes absolutely yes absolutely thank you for clarifying because for sure if you have stumbled across this because you were googling podcasts on grief and you feel that that's where you are then please be there of course mm-hmm. we're just saying mm-hmm. moving forward yes absolutely mm-hmm. and everyone's journey being very different and individualized and I think that is really kind of what we're trying to say here as well is that there is no one size fits all. I say this too to new clients, you know, if I could give you a checklist of things to do for whatever symptom that you're coming to me for, or whatever potential diagnosis, et cetera, I'd love to put myself out of business. I'd love to give you that checklist. I'd love for you to go off for a week, maybe, you know, come off, check in for a week. Okay, let's try a couple new things. Go off and do this part of the checklist. Hey, Mm
1: -hmm. here, fix, magic.
0: (laughs) It's just... It just is not so. You know, there are prescriptive things going back to the biomedical model. Like, there are prescriptive things. You have this rash, use this topical ointment for this many days, mm-hmm. come back, it's gone.
2: Mm-hmm. If
0: only there was yeah. a magic yeah. pill.
2: <laughs> right. One thing I will say so, there's absolutely no prescription for grief. I will say, however, there are some fundamental things that are absolutely critical for every mm-hmm. single grieving heart. Mm-hmm. Number one, Rest mm. focusing on the physical um, manifestations of grief and making sure that you're regulating your body is absolutely critical. Partly because, in the face of loss, obviously it feels like there's a rug that's been pulled out, which is dysregulating to the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so, rest provides that soft place to land, that foundation from which we can then build mm-hmm. um, day to day and have more clarity with regard to how we process and move mm-hmm. through grief. Secondly is eating that's something that everybody has got to do. And in the face mm-hmm. of grief, sometimes we forget that because mm-hmm. our body is, you know, uh, sort of embracing this threat and our body's focused on other things. So we sort of, uh, demobilize the digestive system and don't eat, or we don't have hunger pains, sure. um, but making sure. sure that we're focusing on healthy, physical and, um, eating routines is really helpful. And then water water (laughs) hydration right not to say that everyone's crying their tears out but you know tears are certainly part of it sure but just given all the energy that goes into grieving Mm -hmm. we have to be nourishing we have to be filling our body up with uh nutrients and water and so forth so those are the three things that i think are universal beyond that we yes. got to look at our toolkits and play around a little bit to see what fits.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hydration is key. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I it's do. And that's interesting. About. I'm sorry.
2: No, it's something we forget about. Yes. Um, when we yeah. think about the emotional health symptoms as our body, we've got yes. to keep it functioning so that we can actually move through.
0: Well, and something that I think about in my own, my own experiences with grief is, is kind of that that moment right after and, you know, putting things together and funerals and, um, different celebrations, whatever it is. And we're all so busy mm-hmm. and we're distracting ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. rest piece certainly doesn't come. Now, sometimes people are trying to shove food down your throat if they're, you know, some sort of <laughs> gatherings and stuff, but, but yeah. And so I think I, I think it comes back to being really intentional about recognizing like I need to take care of myself right now. And that's okay. I don't need right. to be everything for everybody. I cannot be everything for everybody right now. Correct. And in just taking the time, those, those three things specifically mm-hmm. in, in, in piecing that together when something yeah. is gone like that.
2: Yeah. And for the people who may be listening, who are supporting someone who's grieving, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. a great offering to them um, just to have a gentle reminder of you know, rest. And that doesn't always mean sleeping. That may be literally being still, uh-huh, not busying ourselves, as you sort of alluded to. Yes. Now, obviously we've got to tend to some logistical things when someone physically dies. Of course. Um, at the same time, when that's sort of settled, how can we be intentional? Um, I love putting things in calendars, writing it down, mm-hmm. sticky notes, having an accountability person to remind us that, hey, have you eaten today? I haven't, you know, I haven't um, seeing you drink any water, like are you mm-hmm. are you hydrating yourself? That's a really wonderful gift to offer someone.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh wow, absolutely! Because that's I think one of the big things too is that you have people who are experiencing the grief, and then they're feeling like they have to help people help them grieve because we as a society don't have a toolkit very well for that. Being mm-hmm. the person who's helping, we want to fix. Yes. we want to say something, which I, what can you say? And then a lot of times we say the wrong things, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. sure do.
0: perhaps counterproductive things. Mm-hmm. um, And that, you know, and going back, sorry, of course my brain often goes to the perinatal, but in those losses mm-hmm. where, you know, you're coming home from the hospital without a baby or the, whatever that might be and not being able to, to take care of yourselves or to feel a way that grieve, grieves, um, you know, intentionally. And that's another thing too, of people, of partners, of parents, of people who have pregnancy losses or or pregnancy crises, and what are some things to do? I'm going to bring you water. (laughs) I bought you a water bottle, or I'm going to send you a text message and ask about, like, I'm going to send you a meal. And yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that we um, sort of forget that in the space of loss one of the best things you can do it's funny this morning someone sent me a message on instagram and they were asking the question what's the best gift to give mm-hmm. someone who's experienced a loss well of course yeah i argue that there's no best gift sure, right But sure. one powerful tool that you can offer is your presence
1: mm-hmm.
2: just being there um, and being there, not just in the acute sort of uh, time frame of loss, but months down the line, when the phones have stopped ringing, when the meals have stopped coming in, That's right. when the phone calls have slowed down, you know, being there and remembering that this event actually happened, mm-hmm. because one of the things as a grieving heart, I can imagine for a uh, a grieving mother and father, is that their child is not here. And if their name is never mentioned or that experience is never mentioned, it's like they never lived, but they did.
1: Mm -hmm. They did,
2: whether they lived in the womb only or whether they were birthed and lived outside of the womb, that experience was real. And so being present to that and sitting in the discomfort of that can be really powerful so that people don't feel, parents don't feel that they've got to navigate this whole experience in silence where we know suffering resides in silence.
0: Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Suffering resides in silence. Absolutely. And um I think that's that is the thing where we go back to talking about like some people saying some counterproductive things or when and and just sitting there and holding that space for somebody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm not that you have to give somebody permission to take up space but I feel like we we do feel the need to ask for permission to take up space sometimes especially in a grieving situation especially when it's air quotes I keep saying air quotes for the people who are not on the podcast because I really want to make sure that people know that I'm not (laughs) suggesting this but it's been long enough Mm so I need to get over it and -hmm. and having somebody who can be there and just say I'm coming to sit with you yeah holding this space
2: I, I was talking to one of my mentors the other day and we were talking about the the frame, the phrase, the phrasing holding space. Uh-huh. And so he was like, Mikkel, I want you to try something for me. Right. And so he was like, I want you to visualize space. <clears throat> okay. Right? So those, those, <laughs> yeah, we're listening. So my hands are outstretched and it's like, okay, this is really big. Right. And then he's like, I just want you to hold it. And so I'm sitting here with my eyes closed and I'm just imagining, you know, holding this.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: so he allowed that for about a minute or so. And then we stopped and he's like, well, you know, what came to mind? How did that feel? What was that like for you? And I was like, first of all, it's enormous. Mm. It's enormous. And it feels impossible Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the space is so big that you you Mm -hmm. can't feel it all. The other thing is you can't materialize it, right? It's not like you're holding a physical object, right? Here I am
0: bringing you space.
2: (laughs) Here I am bringing you space that's invisible. (laughs) But it was a really great reminder of the fact that uh, these truths that, yes, this space that the grieving person's in is enormous. Mm -hmm. It is. And you are not responsible as the supporter Mm
1: -hmm. to hold it
2: all. Yes. take a breath and remember you're not there to hold it all but it is important that you sit
1: Mm -hmm. in the
2: discomfort of holding Mm -hmm. that space Mm -hmm. even if your arms are burning even if it feels awkward and even if you can't concretize it and i i just loved that because i thought Mm. this is really powerful for the supporter right to really talk about the value of their presence Mm-hmm. And what holding space actually can mean to the person on the receiving end.
0: Mm-hmm. That is powerful, yeah. really. And I yeah. think it goes back to making sure that we just we recognize that we cannot, we don't have to be because we cannot be everything for everybody. That's right. We can That's show right. up in the ways that we can. We
1: mm-hmm. can
0: make sure we don't throw out random cliches and try to make it worse on accident. <laughs> but otherwise, sitting with that discomfort with somebody there is really nothing that you can say to fix no. it that's one of my least favorite words as a social worker is uh, is fix i can't fix your child i can't fix you i can't fix a problem i can help you to do mm-hmm. many different things but fixing is not one of
2: them. that's right <laughs> and yeah. so
0: sitting with that discomfort absolutely
2: yeah i think one of the the greatest tools that we can offer is our physical presence and 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 also knowing the person who's grieving Mm
0: -hmm. so
2: I did an entire um not to do a a shameless plug but I will say really quickly I was
0: going to ask you to do all your plugs (laughs) anyway so please go ahead they're going to be in the show notes (laughs)
2: um over on Instagram if you click the link in my bio Mm -hmm. I have a free little uh 30 minute webinar and it's called how to show up for someone who's grieving and one of the things that I talk about in that webinar is knowing who you are relative to the person grieving.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'll, I
2: use this lame example of when my dad died in March, 2020, mm-hmm. I'm walking my dog in my neighborhood. <clears throat> and of course you see familiar faces in the neighborhood, but you, you don't really know the neighbor to an end on an intimate level. And they may not be someone who I'm going to invite in my house, but mm-hmm. right. But I see them. Sure. I had this really nice yet pesky neighbor. Who was intent on like coming in my house and making dinner and i thought he doesn't really know himself in my sphere right right and so i, I think there's this push to do one of two things as a supporter which is either totally avoid the situation yes or go all in and mm. almost to the point of being intrusive
0: yes that was the so word the, that was circling in my yes. brain
2: <laughs> so you know just just to really take a step back and think about asking yourself who am I relative to this person? And wherever you are on that in that sphere is important. You still have a role to play. There's something to be done.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think
2: if you can assess where you are, it's going to help drive. Hey, a how you can show up, but b also how you might not show up, and that's okay. So yes. um, definitely, you know, click on that, and hopefully that benefits some people who are listening.
0: Yes, absolutely. I just, I think the more that we can speak about it with all of these things, the more that we're talking about it, the more ideas we have, the more people can conceptualize how that might not necessarily have to follow the Kubler-Ross of it all, or Mm -hmm. whatever else they may have considered how grief should, there's another one of my favorite therapist words, uh, look like. And it's, it's just great that, such things are, are available to them, especially so. Obviously, like I said, I, that was going to be my last question: was where can everybody find you? So that's, of course, going to be in in the show notes. Yeah, uh, and then, of course, easily clickable on your Instagram as well, because access to those things, taking the time to educate yourself, um, mm-hmm. whether you're the person who's experiencing the grief or the person you're trying you're trying to support somebody who is, saying mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take some time and figure out what I need to do and what my next steps can be. And I don't have to have all the answers right now. Just what's the next thing that I can do.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a great tool for both the grieving person Mm -hmm. and the supporter Mm
0: -hmm. is really
2: focusing on, I'll I'll start with the supporter. What's the next best thing I can do Mm -hmm. and to really sort of sit with that for a minute before you burst through the gates and do to really assess. And for the grieving heart, what's the next best thing? Honestly, that's all that's quote unquote expected of you along the journey is to focus on the next best thing. And that may be the next second. That may be the next minute of your day. Mm -hmm. to Not think five years down the line next week, just getting up, getting out of bed, putting that foot on the floor, mm-hmm. taking showers, starting that routine. That's the next best thing. Mm-hmm. And as those steps accumulate, you will be able to move your feet. You're not going to move on. You're not going to get over, mm-hmm. but you will be able to move through uh, mm-hmm. a very difficult and, and uh, di- a very difficult and sensitive process. Mm-hmm. So steps I, are
0: I was gonna say, I'm glad that you brought that up. Actually, I've had people in various, various reasons why they come and sit in my metaphorical chair on virtual therapy Mm -hmm. and um and I've said that to people before and they kind of laugh I'm like what is your plan for the day I don't really have a plan it's like okay why what if you just changed from those pajamas to some new pajamas just some pajamas that you didn't sleep in everything Mm -hmm. else feels insurmountable in the day I'm not asking you to put on a prom dress
1: Right. right
0: Right. And it's just those little things that you mentioned taking a shower, which can feel Mm -hmm. so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, okay, then what's the next thing that we can do? What is that small thing we're going to make some sort of efforts? Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about action before motivation. You're not going to magically wake up one day and be like, I'm going to go for a five-mile run and I'm going to whatever else that might be. Yeah, It can be sometimes putting those feet on the floor Mm -hmm. and, and taking those small steps. Absolutely.
2: It reminds me of um, something my mom used to say, and both of my parents were in the military, by the way. So Mm -hmm. um, physical fitness was a thing in, in my household. but my mom used to always say, you know, that she had never seen a soldier not be able to walk and cry at the same time. Sometimes And she referred to like basic training and things that she'd gone through that people were shedding tears while doing the drills. And it's a really beautiful thing to think about in that sometimes we think that if we start taking steps, we're going to forget about our loved one. We're going to forget about that loss, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to feel like we're betraying um, the experience or the person, him or herself. Mm
0: -hmm. The truth
2: is I've never seen a soldier who can't walk and cry at the same time. Wow. So know that you're walking does not abandon your feelings. It doesn't abandon the experience that you've had. You can do both. And that really is the grief space, which is both. And
0: both. and. All. Wow. I mean, I have chills. I've never, I've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That is a really good way of viewing that. Absolutely. And you are right. I think that is something that holds up with people. of like, if I'm enjoying my kid's soccer game, then I'm not proper like I'm not properly grieving this person. Or if I'm going, and that's the thing too. Um, sorry, I've mentioned Scrubs twice now, but I do listen to that Scrubs rewatch podcast because I I really love the show. And that's what Zach Braff has said a couple of times. Like, what do people do after a funeral? They go to lunch. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. life
0: continues to, and not everyone eats, which is number two on the list of things that you do need to do. So please go to lunch. <laughs> but right it's like life does continue to go on Mm -hmm. and we have to try to find a way of making space and making excuse me making sense of that Mm -hmm. because it's like how can I possibly be doing these things while I I I have to tell you I'm gonna that is gonna sit with me for a long time about I've never seen a soldier who can't cry and walk at the same time that's yeah that's yeah
2: we'll just thank Patricia Ann Harris for that Mm. because Hmm. um you know of course she was probably saying that when we were kids to get us to do stuff come on (laughs) get up and make it happen I don't care if you're crying (laughs) do
0: it cry cry while you're doing it go ahead you can cry cry while you're doing it but you're still
2: gonna clean up that room yes um but yeah it's a really beautiful thing to think about in the grief space like you can Mm. keep going
1: and moving
2: and expanding Mm -hmm. and weeping yes. they can happen at this point yes it's possible so to really adopt that both and framework can be a really powerful way yes. to keep ourselves thinking about the present
0: mm-hmm. and
2: looking into the future
0: yeah oh my gosh yeah. wow well i i just can't thank you enough i it's what you do is so important this discussion is so important i'm so grateful that i've gotten to sit with you and have this conversation our listeners now can take this with them and and hopefully take some some points with them along yeah. the way. I I told you I was going to do this. Where can everybody find you? Because I want and again, it will be in the show notes. I want them to be able to access the things that we're talking about.
2: Absolutely. So my favorite place to hang out these days is Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is Dr. Mikel. That's D-R-M-E-K-E-L, not to sound repetitive, but on Twitter backslash Dr. Mikel and then on yes. Facebook facebook.com forward slash Dr. Mikel
1: Great. and
2: there you'll see lots of grief information education um, tools to help empower you as you navigate this new life after loss okay. and then hopefully a little bit of inspiration um, I try to sprinkle that in throughout the week mm-hmm. so that you know you're not alone on the journey and that you too can take those steps even with tears streaming down your face
0: mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Everyone take that with you today. Uh, be curious, not judgmental and make it a good one. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of let's discuss with Meg Duke. I'd love for you to write a review of my podcast on your app and don't forget to subscribe. So you get a notification when new content is posted, take a moment to leave a rating too. You can follow me at therapy by Meg on Instagram and find Meg Duke LCSW on Facebook. You can also look for Let's Discuss content by searching the hashtag Let's Discuss with Meg. Let's Discuss with Meg Duke is executive produced by David Presley and produced by Meg Duke. Our theme song was written and performed by Antoine McDuffie.